0: Hello and welcome to the D2C Podcast. I'm Eric Dick. Today we're beasting out on CPG customer experience with Jess Servalon, head of CX at Mr. MrBeast Feastables, makers of D's Nuts and Carl Gummies. Jess brings her SaaS background to the usually transactional CPG CX game, which has been key to her mission of giving every customer a piece of that Mr. Beast experience, what she calls the Jimmy Pie, with every touch point. Jess shares examples of the most out-of-the-box customer experience moments, including traveling in the US, delivering 11 Teslas. Jess also shares her CX stack and how she thinks about segmentation and dynamic customer journeys. So grab these nuts and on with the show.
1: about customer experience is like how do you personalize every interaction and have like an always-on experience whether it's through your website whether it's through an Easter egg on your website it's your Twitter page like how do you have like this always-on type of experience for your customer to always have access to without also giving away everything at the same time yeah, we can acquire all day long, but how do you actually retain them? Like, how do you feed the emotional attachment of your brand? Like, they want a piece of that pie. That's how I look at it. Is like every interaction is an ability to give that customer a piece of your brand pie.
0: In marketing, content is everything, but keeping up with the never-ending demand for UGC photos and videos, along with generating product reviews at scale, can be brutal. Coley solves this problem with their content generation platform. Coley is like a content fairy godmother, providing stunning photos, videos, and reviews that help turn your potential customers into happy ones. Bid farewell to exorbitant production costs and embrace the magic of Coley's solutions. World-renowned brands like Samsonite and Bonobos trust Coley's cutting-edge software and outrageously skilled customer success team to create the marketing assets they need. Transform your content game by visiting coley.com podcast. Let's kick off our snack journey uh, and I want to hear more about what brought you to Feastables. Feastables is such, I just tell people, oh, I'm having Feastables on the podcast, like everyone it's this really buzzy it brand, G- getting to know you a little bit in Las Vegas and, and in our in our pre-chat. I'm really interested in your background and so give me a little bit of your sort of like CX heroes journey and uh, how it brought you to uh, Feastables.
1: Yeah, I mean the long, long version of this, like I went to art school. So I went to art school and I was in art school and like to be honest with you, by the time I was done with art school, I was like, I don't really want anything to do with this. <laughs> like, but I also had to work while I was in college. So I first started in like this customer experience, like support service, like type of realm. I was working at a bank. I worked at a bank for like four years and I, you know, was a teller. I was a personal banker and I was like also in college. So like I continued that career after after I graduated. And then from there, you know, I worked like various like customer service roles. Um, I worked at a bank. I did god I think I like worked into like my first startup which was actually a nonprofit, and I actually was doing office management I just want to say point this out I was terrible at office management <laughs> like absolutely terrible like that is not my jam ma'am Mm-mm. so anyway but like you know I was always like kind of working with people in like this empathetic like you know field realm and then um and I know this is a really long story but like then, like, after that, like, a couple of those, like, types of journeys, I, like, worked in the travel industry, and I worked in the travel industry for a really long time, and I was, and I mostly worked, actually, as a customer success manager, and so I was, like, managing, like, a book of business of um, travel spending of, like, up to, you know, $10 million a year for, like, multiple accounts, right? Like, uh, accounts like Pinterest, Medallia, like, these big these smaller accounts then, but big, big now, like in days like this. So I've like always been in like kind of that service oriented type of like realm. And then one day I was like, I really want to go work at like startups, like true tech startups. And I like got a job. I worked my first role as in that startup realm was actually, um, at a FinTech company and, um, but they did both expenses and travel and I was running all of the, um, travel support as well as product support. So that's actually my first realm of customer experience is like creating holistic, like customer experience between travel support and product support people who like talk about how to fix software versus like how to book travel, right? Like, how do you like marry that and like create this like better experience? So then like, you know, from there, I worked in like various um, different other startups, like other SaaS companies, like um, I worked in health tech, I've worked in cybersecurity, ed tech. Um, And then one day I'm perusing on LinkedIn, right? And I said to myself, into the universe. I was like, oh, I really want to like do D 2 C and Ecom. Like, I've always been a package slut. And I, what I mean, by that is I love, I love a brand. I love a good package brand. I love a good experience. I mean, like, I don't know, I have like, bark box. Okay, <laughs> like, this is a whole experience, right? And I've always been like, oh, I really love products. And I love like that package experience, that brand experience. And like, I really, my next realm, like want to work in like D2C and Ecom. And um, I honestly got really lucky. I'm gonna be honest with you, like somebody reached out to me and uh, was like, oh, do you want to like interview for Feastables, a Mr. Beast brand? And truthfully, I was like, what? <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Like, I was like in the process of, you know, going through this interview process with another health tech company. And I like jumped on the opportunity because I was like, wow, this is like really sick. Like, all right, not only could I have an opportunity to work in DTC, but I could also work in the creator economy. Like, come on. Like, like, Fast track crazy train. Let's get on it. Good manifesting. <laughs>
0: yeah. Let's we're gonna manifest.
1: I know. So you know, I obviously like got the job. And f- <laughs> I
0: just think it's so interesting because from talking to you and like, you know, going from something like a SaaS CX to CPG CX, you're going from this really high touch, high communication, high relationship environment to the CPG world, which is a lot more sort of commoditized. A lot of that CX is about just fulfilling a product. But after hearing you talk a little bit about it, I think they got lucky. They manifested as well to get someone like you with with your mind. Can you talk a little bit about the CX mindset that you brought to Feastables from your SaaS background?
1: Yeah, so you know, I like I come from the SaaS background. You're absolutely right. It's like it's very product, it's very like, oh, okay, like my product doesn't work today. Yeah, like product journey doesn't work today. My UX, like the user experience is like, fucked up, right? And that's when you come into my house, right? But I don't look, because I've worked in like all these different types of capacities of customer experience throughout my career, I look at it as more of like relationship building. So I don't look at it like, you know, even in D2C today, like I don't look at it as like this one customer is just going to be here today and gone tomorrow. I look at it as like, How do I take this one customer interaction and make you a customer for life? And it's not from like a marketing flow. It's not because of, you know, I am selling you on something. I'm selling you on a brand experience. And that's like, that's how I think about all of these career paths that I've had. It's like, I'm thinking about what type of brand or product experience is this user having that's going to have you continuously come back? which to sum it all up is literally relationship building. I like look at every interaction as a relationship that I'm trying to build.
0: And I feel like with a brand like yours that has so much uh, personality behind it, there's a lot of momentum coming into your brand. So if you were to like I think you're in a good position where you where your mentality really benefits this brand because there's already so much momentum coming into that that transactional experience. They want to have this deeper experience. They don't want to be just treated like a customer, right?
1: Yeah. They want to piece the Jimmy
0: pie, as they say.
1: Yeah, 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 I was literally just gonna say that. I was literally just gonna say that. It's like, yeah, we can acquire all day long, but how do you actually retain them? Like, how do you retain them? How do you feed to the emotional attachment of your brand like and essentially like what and I see this time and time again not just with our brands but like also just like the creator economy other brands it's like they want a piece of that pie I'm going to continuously come back because I want a piece of that Jimmy pie I want a piece of that I don't know another brand like Bora, like is a nice seltzer right like I want a piece of that that pie and that's why I'm going to continuously buy your product, and that's why I'm going to continuously be invested in your product and that's like that's how I look at it. It's like every interaction is an ability to give that customer a piece of your brand pie. Share the pie.
0: And they have to, it's, you know, it's so there's there's a lot of radical people out there saying that in 10 years, the only D2C brands will be Mr. Beast and those with an audience, right? Those who've built up that deep connection. But I, I think it's, you reposition that. So you don't necessarily have to be Mr. Beast, but you are going to have to make your customer experience Uh, something special or you're going to have to provide a piece of of the the brand pie in every experience.
1: Yeah, totally. You know, I was actually having, and then this is like going to derail it a little bit, but like I was actually having this conversation with like a a 3PL today, right? And we were talking about like experience, right? Experience is everything that like bleeds into everything, into this like water cup with like the type of water that's in in my cup. Like that is an experience and that's like a experience that I, buying into right but like I look it's not even just like I look at it like I think that we should think about customer experience is like how do you personalize every interaction and have like an always-on experience whether it's through your website whether it's through an Easter egg on your website it's your Twitter page like how do you have like this always-on type of experience for your customer to always have access to without also giving away everything at the same time. Let's talk about some
0: examples. Some tang- you've been there. What, what is the beginning for Feasibles? I should have looked that up. But when, how long have you been at Fiestas? I know you've been there since the beginning
1: yeah so i started at feastables in october of 2021 so and at that point we weren't even on the market yet we were actually um an idea that we were in the process of creating so um i truthfully i was like employee number four right and like and why that's actually important it's not like a bragging thing it's like it it, that's important because feastables looks at experience as we need to bring somebody in to manage our customer experience, not just from a support perspective, but like that that brand experience perspective too, right? And like they thought of it as like so important to bring it in before we even went to market, right? So it's like so I have been with I've been with Feastables um, since October of 2021, and then we launched on the market in January 2022. Um, so you know created the entire like go to market strategy for CX. And, you know, brought that into market. And I know we'll get into this, but we can talk about all of it.
0: (laughs) What was, yeah, what was your first biggest splash and how does it come about? You're not just selling a product and, you know, dealing, you're not reactive. You've got to be proactive because you have this front end mouthpiece doing all these crazy things out in the world that you're having to feel responses for and build CX experiences around, I imagine as well.
1: Yeah. So, I mean... from day one, like we had to look at it as like, okay, as soon as we turn on the light switch, we're going to have mass traffic to our website, right? Like we're going to have mass traffic to like wanting to purchase these things, but we're also going to have mass traffic of people who are like, are just browsers. Right. And so, you know, I looked at it as like, all right, like I, we're going to have like all of these user acquisitions, but like, how can we actually have conversations with these people with out having to employ like hundreds of people, right? So like one of the biggest things that I did was I looked at it as like not necessarily a problem, but like how am I gonna support people and engage with people? And I built out this web chatbot. So most people look at like web chatbots as like a self-service function, right? And like of course, and it did self-service, it like told the customer about the product, told the customer about like who you are, but I also built out these like random pathways that was like jokes and fun facts about festivals and memes and all these other things things right and I honestly I actually started as like a, a hunch because I didn't know what I didn't know right like I literally did not know I also I so I had this chatbot. I also um, utilized like an outsourcing agency of like thirty plus people because like I didn't know what how much traffic we were gonna have, right? And so as soon as we turned on the light switch, this bot is like getting so much interaction. Like I don't have live chat on, I don't have phone calls. Like you're not gonna get me right away, my dude. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You're, You can like, like a you can have rep. some conversation. You're like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, like you might need to go through a tree or something like I don't know man like but I knew but I knew I had to like I had to treat it that way and so anyway this this chatbot though like all right so not only did this like kind of like save the agents in a way, but it also created this like engagement pathway. So I was like deflecting 80 to 90% of conversations away from the agents. Granted people were still emailing and like other channels, right? But then what I was finding through that 80 to 90% of like conversations being deflected away from the agents, I was finding that 70 to 80% of those conversations literally were through this randomness pathway. People just wanted a piece of that Jimmy pie. They just wanted to have a conversation. They just wanted to like, they wanted a piece of information to feel like they were a part of the brand, to feel like they were a part of something. On an Easter egg Mm -hmm. hunt, right? Mm -hmm. On an Easter egg hunt. And, um, I mean, that was like the biggest thing that again like I didn't know what I didn't know like I didn't know that it was going to be so successful but and I and I'll share some stats in a bit but that like go building out that chatbot has given me the ability now as we scale the brand had to have this always-on experience to like have conversations with our customers you know have like fun interactions but also again give them a piece of that pie when we're sleeping at night.
0: And is that the idea like because I, I love that idea of you just and I think I look back to starting D2C and some of the things that we didn't know that we didn't know became people's favorite things in some ways. And 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 when you're putting yourself out there creatively, you're creating these things. Once you've once you've set that, what becomes I guess is the is the engagement metric just straight up engagement like the and you you the longer people engage, the more fun they have, the more likely they are to become a customer even though you're not directly trying to always drive them to 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 buy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so I mean it's <laughs> It's a little bit of everything. I'm gonna be honest with you because like, all right, so I gave you like some stats about like, you know, how much like engagement that we've had, like um, down these pathways, but like on another turn of it, I also have this like piece that's on the website and it's, um, we call it the conversion bot because it literally, if you're on one of our PDPs, it'll pop up and it will say like, Psst, come chat with me. And I found that like people will interact, look at the fun fact, the product info, and then end up adding the to cart from the chat bot itself. And that little piece of, I can't give you the exact number, so, because it's its revenue related, but like, I can tell you that that little piece of the chatbot was 6.7% of our launch revenue in the beginning, 6.7%, which is like, pays for it in itself, to be honest with you. You know? Oh yeah,
0: easy. Oh, for sure. Give me an idea. Give me an idea of the scale during peak times. Maybe like what was it like in the beginning when you flipped the light switch on? You said you were deflecting 80% of these conversations or more. What what does that scale look like approximately?
1: Yeah, so I mean, well here, like here's some like really fun fact and, and information that I like love to to share. So in the year of like 2022, so like the day we launched all the way until, so January 29th, 2022 to December 31st of 2022, we deflected 1.1 million conversations by this, just this chat bot. And again, going back to the statistics, 70, 80% were like literally in these like random engagement pathways because like people just really want to chat with us and we'll get into this, but like, you know, that's just on the web piece of it. I then, because I was like, oh, it's getting like so much of this deflection. I also ended up taking that into like our SMS channel too, but we can get into that in a second.
0: Well, amazing. Do you guys do an app? I feel like there's an opportunity for Feastables eventually to have a pretty unique app experience as well.
1: Yeah, I think um, we don't have an app today, but we do, I'm going to be honest with you, like the way we like look at everything is like we really like to push the envelope. So we have a lot of partners and we like, we have the partners that we have and like we have our tech stack, but those partners are very, um, we're going to push the envelope. We're going to, you're going to do things that like we're writing the playbook as the plane is in the air, you
0: know? Makes sense. And so you wouldn't want to release a stock app. You wouldn't want to put something out that's like, oh, it's our app with a a message board or something like that. Like if you're going to do an app, you'd have to have a pretty significant reason for it with a unique functionality.
1: I think it's like we, and this is just me like, I cannot speak for like our tech team, right? But like, I I can speak for like our brand. I think because our brand experience is so unique, and we're so about the experience of our customer, we don't do anything half ass like we want to like we want to put our best foot forward. And I'm not but I will say I will caveat that that it's best foot forward and not necessarily perfection, but always a POC first, and then we release the next iterations of things. Right. And so what I mean by POC, like just is proof of concept. We're always like thinking of like proof of concept, put it out there, see what the bites are, then we'll improve it. But it's not always going to be like this perfect thing. Like you'll never get, you can like literally go to my like web chat that I'm talking about right now. And like, I'm going to be honest with you, like, I'm constantly making new iterations to that chatbot because the the user's experience always changes every single day and like you can you have to be better than you were yesterday.
0: Are there some aspects that are still the same from your like weird ideas you had right in the beginning or has it all sort of replaced itself at this point?
1: No, I think that they're evolving now. I I don't want to like give a, I can't give away everything, okay? But they're evolving because I am taking that like web bot like that digital experience and I'm like what's the next iteration of it like the next iteration of that is how do we how do we encompass AI how do you you know do a lay and I know every tool is like oh chat GPT it's like a this layer of it but like okay how do we we've already built this experience that's very intent based so like now how do we build that into a more conversational AI right like where it's like just constantly evolving itself um I think I think yes, for sure. It's like constantly making new iterations of like the things that we've had before. But I also think it's, it's also being innovative too, because it's like, we're only as good as you were yesterday. And that's a very sales mentality that that I'm referring to, (laughs) but like, you're really only as good as you were yesterday.
0: And coffees for closers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely.
0: Chocolates for closers. Let's, let's geek out a little bit and tell me, so you've got this, this wonderful bot. How did you build it? And like, what does your tech stack look like for this bot?
1: Yeah. So, um, I utilize customer. So first and foremost, like my team is sits on customer. Um, so that's like where we get all of our conversations with a K, with a K. yes. I am a customer with a C to customer with a K.
0: <laughs> Got it.
1: So we utilize customer with a K and that's where like where all of our conversations, like if it's, um, a direct message from our social channels, email, chat, um, SMS, like it all like. That's like the base layer, right? And then, so like the base layer, and then underneath that base layer is the agent experience. And then above that base layer is, then we have a tool called Certly, and that's our chat bot. So they have given us the ability to build not only our web bot, but also um, taking that same concept and building that into our SMS channel. And we can get back there and like some really rad things that we've been doing there too. But like, um, so certainly it gives us the ability to like do SMS as well as web And then, um, we also utilize postscript for our short code marketing, um, like SMS marketing platform. Oh. And then I also utilize amplify for community management, but like, I don't really have anything attached to that today. Um, I will eventually, but.
0: And tell me your team story. Like how big is your team now? What's the biggest it's been?
1: Yeah. So going back to that, like web bot, um, conversation so when I first launched I actually had 30 plus um, people at 30 people that was outsourced and then two internal people and so because I saw so much deflection in our web bot I was able to like bring the experience back into house like I actually was able to kind of dwindle away of like not having to utilize so many individuals in the in the outsourcing aspect um, so I no longer because I have not only the web bot experience, but also our SMS bot experience. I actually no longer have um, an outsourced um, CX at all. My team is completely internal and it is filled with five individuals. we have, you know, we have a team lead. We also have somebody on our team who manages like our bots, integrations, all of those things. And then we have um, a community manager who does like social community stuff, um, as well as two individuals who are in the queues and just like other like projects. Like I build, I build my teams to not only be like queue management, to also just be able to like full all encompassing, like can do other customer experience things.
0: And I think that's critical for someone that's got to have an always on customer experience where people are expecting magic from Jimmy, you know, yeah. to be able to have that all in house and have everyone really on board and fully aligned. That's, it's really cool to hear. I've heard, you know, I've heard CX is one of the first areas that is going to be replaced, you know, in some ways, not replaced entirely, but will be, you know, there will be AI that helps in that. And it's cool to see you're like ahead of the curve using that already with a pretty lean team handling a lot of uh, queries.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's, you know, going back and I know I kept seeing this, like going back to that SMS stuff. Right. I do actually want to briefly tell you that story because I took that concept of like the web chatbot and was like, OK, it's deflecting 80 to 90 percent of these conversations. So it's like so then I was like, well, in my SMS channel, I was also getting anywhere from because we literally had this call out. We were like text us at 69420 for support inquiries and randomness right and people took that quite literally when we launched and we had anywhere from 15,000 to 30,000 tickets in a week in a week i'm not saying in 3 months i'm saying in a week right and that's why i had to employ so many individuals on the team because we were constantly sitting there and like having to like have these human conversations and going back and forth but at the same time like because you have so many tickets, you can't get into that that engagement banter. You can literally say, hey, how's it going? Here's a meme. Okay, close the ticket and call it a day. Right. So like I also like so from that web bot experience, I knew that I had a problem with our SMS channel, too. And I was like, how do I how do I build that web experience into our SMS channel? And, you know, certainly was very flexible and like able to help us, you know, take that into that channel and literally As soon as I turned it on, I got 80 to 90% of deflection again. And then within a few months, I was able to like no longer have to outsource our team and bring the experience completely in house within a few months.
0: Are you a D2C brand owner looking to retain loyal customers and grow your brand? Everyone knows apps are fast becoming the best way to elevate the consumer experience and build communities. A high-quality app that's stylish and engaging normally means two things, time and money, but AppTile have changed the game. Their cutting-edge no-code editor enables beautiful, personalized journeys for every customer. And with their free plan, nothing is stopping you from getting started. You'll pay as you grow, not as you go. So whether you're just starting out or a Shopify superstar, head over to apptile.com today and start designing an app your customers will love. That's badass. Go, let, let's talk as you've teased it a little bit. So let's go like, what did you actually do? I, I think that's one of the, we're going to talk with Joseph a little bit. He was mentioning some of the crazy activations that you guys do. I know you've done a bunch of really neat ones. Tell us to start with, like, what actually was this SMS activation? Was it literally just people that were engaging? What did, what did this SMS look like?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, our audience is wild and they're... They're absolutely wild. I love them. I think they're like, I think they're so sick because it's like, what other brand can you just like bullshit with? Are they called Beasties? Do you have a name for right? them?
0: What is your audience called? No.
1: You no. Don't have a name. I don't know. Maybe we, do, we, maybe we do need, we just call Mr. them Mr. Beast fans. Beast fans. Got it. Beasties. Beasties. Okay, yeah. Right. I know. Beasties. Throw that hat in the ring there. Um, so, you know. I like the conversations like truthfully are like, I love Mr. Beast. I love chocolate um, or I love Feastables. It's literally just like people telling us that they love Jimmy or they love Feastables. Or honestly, we also have people who talk, who tell us their stories, who tell us their stories and they're like seeking, they're seeking some sort of engagement, right? Like, it's just like, hey, how are you? What's up bestie? I mean, it. It's really fun and really awesome, but it's also like, damn, I just want to talk to all of these people and I can't, right? So, like, that's a problem, right? And the solution that I came up with is um, we'll send out a marketing campaign and then we'll ask somebody to come back and sit, you know, maybe we'll ask them a question, like, what's your favorite color? I'm not saying we, like, legitimately have asked people what their favorite color is, but we've asked people, like, hey, are you up? Like, sub bestie? Yeah, yeah, you know, like, and it's a picture of Nolan, right? But it's like... You can do those things, but then what happens after? What happens after yeah. that marketing campaign goes out? And so, like, that's what, and again, you're going to talk to Joseph, but that's what Joseph and I think through about, like, retention and experience strategy is, is like, okay, cool. We just sent a you up text, but what's the next stage of that? Like, how do you have a conversation back with those people? And then it's, it's as simple as, like, honestly building out a module of, like, okay, they said, you know, X, Y, Z, respond with X, Y, Z right? Or, you know, we've built out games. Um, we built out a game called called like the emoji game where it was like, here's three different like emojis, guess, like what the meaning is in like text-based words. And we built out like in certainly the module for the response to that. And if you got the response, you got like a 10% off coupon or you got like a free everything bundle, right? Like we, we're asking the question to then have an always on experience to respond back to them.
0: Interesting. And you were mentioning, I'll talk about it Joe some more too, but you, you guys never discount, you hardly ever discount. So when you even offer a 10% discount, uh, it can be meaningful to your audience.
1: Yeah, we the times when you will see it is like if we're asking you to take an action, and which is very rare. And I don't mean that like taking an action just in like SMS. I mean like actually engaging with us. Like you know maybe it's like filling out a survey, right? Like it's like it's rewarding something. It's not just like here's ten percent off for your next purchase. Like it's kind of building that action to to acquire it, to acquire the discount. But you act, but. The people who are going to action it and do it are the people who are really into the brand. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. Especially when you're act when you're actively asking them to use their brain, solve something, you know, win a, win a prize. Uh, those people are going to be maybe more engaged than if they're just maybe applying for a contest or something like that, like that, right? Um, Okay, what about other activations? You've been there since the beginning. What are some of the other? What's the What's the most personally? What was the most personal fun you had uh, in an activation with Feastables?
1: This is my favorite one, mainly because this stuff rolls up into my like customer experience house, but. So if you know anything about, like, Mr. Beast or Feastables, like, you you know, Mr. Beast is known for, like, spectacles and, like, giving things away, right? And so, like, Feastables is, is like, is essentially the same. Like, we had, like, this um, sweepstakes early last year. It wasn't our first, um, you know, mystery ticket one. It was our, our second one during the summertime where we gave away 10 Teslas. And so... But you know what's really funny about this is the fact that we're gave away 10 Teslas and that's really fun and awesome. But nobody actually thought about what you have to do to give away those 10 Teslas. I literally flew around the country this fall delivering all 10 of those Teslas because and the reason it was not summer when the campaign was happening in fall was because Tesla had to actually make those cars. So, oh yeah, no, I know. added complexity
0: <laughs> to the issue, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I, like, little old me, winter experience here, ordering for Joe Smith his Tesla. I flew to Portland, I flew to Boston, I actually remember one trip I, I had gone to Boston, got a notification that somebody's Tesla was ready the next day in Portland, changed my flight to go to Portland to like knock it out and get it done. But like, okay, so the reason like these are really awesome experiences though, and this is actually one of my favorite activations to talk about is because you can do the spectacle marketing and like, you can do these things that you're giving away, but like being on the ground as a CX leader and really seeing those people's faces and giving that in real life, like brand experience was one of the dopest feelings and dopest moments of my career because it literally was just this like, accumulation of this person's experience and handing over, cause it's not a key key, it's like a car key, handing over the car key and like seeing these people who are just so excited. And some of these people, we changed their lives. One story, like um, the Portland story actually, was a kid who, they their car, he lived with his parents um, and there was four people in the household sharing one car. It was like a geo prism that was like breaking down. And so like, that getting that Tesla, getting this brand new Tesla gave, gave that family the ability to, um, to get back on the road to like go and do like their jams. Another really awesome story was, um, about a woman who lost her husband to COVID and she was like a, um, she was like a stay at home mom, but had to go back to work. And she, And she like, you know, won the the grand prize and, um, it, that like winning that grand prize, like changed her life, like changed, like she was able to like get around, um, and she was able to like be kind of rewarded and have something really fucking awesome to be like, you know, I've been through these like terrible things, but like, we have this really awesome gift in this moment. That's like celebratory, you know? So it's like. As a CX leader, and I started off by telling you, this is like, I am a CX leader and like it works in these like service oriented, like types of things, but like seeing those things firsthand and changing people's lives from these, like one, this one moment, so worth traveling around the country and like dealing with like the manual process that of Tesla's. But like, that's like the dopest fucking brand experience that I could ever talk about.
0: It's just such a splash. Like I've given away, I think a MacBook before. Like even the hustle gave away like one Tesla. I remember that was a big deal. But like I'm always intimidated by the e- economics of like the of that hu- of like spectacle marketing like that. And I guess I guess in your case you've got the bullhorn as well, right? So whatever you do, you're going to obviously you have the spectacle of the sp- the splash that you make with the, the the 11 Teslas and then you've also got the hundreds of millions of 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 views that that he would be using to help promote that contest as well, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Of course. I mean, I can't get into the like the schematics of like, no, the cost. you know what I mean? But like, how does it work uh, for
0: you on the back? How do like, personally I can see it being amazing for your journey at the company and everything. How does it get, get translated into the customer experience at large? Does it just become just part of the lore of Feastables becoming, you know, being this wild uh, entity that's similar to Mr. Beast and that they do these wild things. Like how do you capture that value on the CX side from these big spectacle giveaways?
1: Yeah, you know, I think it's like, it's definitely like a brand moment from like a brand to brand experience from like Mr. Beast to Feastables, for sure. But like, even on like the CX aspect of it, like we're always doing like, just in like the service oriented, like a ticket comes across, or actually, here's a really dope fucking experience. Um, a ticket came across my desk once, um, where it was a teacher who a teacher had played our rock paper scissors game right Um, they played our rock paper scissors game and one of the prizes was getting an everything bundle and he wrote in this story about like oh you know we played this like we played your rock paper scissors game Um, we had the hot streak we won the everything bundle I really appreciate um, winning this but it wasn't just about like the winning piece of it it was the gratitude and like teaching young children to be grateful to to give back right so like anyway the, the rest of the story that this teacher saying is like you know i really appreciate you doing all of these things um and you know winning this one prize it taught my my students like you know about like keep at it like keep keep playing because you can like get something but this whole storyline about how mr beast and feastables gives back to other communities is really like why he had his students playing like the games with us because it was really like what our company stands for right like uh, our brand stands for back to your question though, bleeding into like the customer experience. So like that was a really heartfelt moment and like, I felt like that needed to be recognized. So I was going to send them, I was actually gonna send them like a bunch of swag. And then because I found they were ended up being in like outside of Salt Lake City and I had to deliver a Tesla. So we ended up donating $10,000 to them and coming to the school, coming to the school and dropping, like bringing a briefcase of this money to them. And I gave a speech to the kids about like, of like, you know, furthering that story of how um, it's all about like being grateful and like giving back. And like I gave each one of the kids like this envelope with like five ones in it. And it says like give like a beast. And I said to eat to them, I was like, I'm giving you like each this envelope and you have the choice of giving this to somebody in need or keeping it. And so like, like that again that's like an experience that's an exemplifying experience in like our customer experience I get it like I absolutely get it like not every company can like do these things but like even on a smaller aspect as you're building out your customer experience you're building out your community it's really about that community aspect it's really finding like the core of your company values and exemplifying that in every touch point that you have with your customer whether it's like writing a customer back in a surprise and delight moment or sending them like a special box of your 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 product whatever a handwritten note you don't know like how much those little tiny moments can go a long way for your customer
0: I think that's great. We were just talking with Nick at Midday Squares and one of, I was just sitting with him when when one of my coworkers went up and said, hey, my sister bought from you guys and got a handwritten note and how that was so impactful. And I just, I love your example of the envelope giving to kids. You could, you could give kids some money and they'd love that. They'd, they'd remember that, but you could give them the choice of like what they're yeah. going to do with that money. And that's like another layer deeper, right? That just really does yeah. speak to that, giving them a piece of the Jimmy pie. Cause that's Jimmy's whole shtick right is sort of changing people's lives and and giving
1: yeah and i mean you can there's so many different ways like midday squares is a really good example of that um i i have a subscription with this coffee brand right granted i'm a little bit biased because this is like my homie's coffee brand little buffalo roasters um but but listen like as for being a small business though every month i get my bag of coffee and i get a note and it says hey jess This is our special blend comes from XYZ place. And um, thank you so much for being a supporter drew, right? Little things like that, whether it's really, truly handwritten, or if it's just personalized in some sort of capacity will go a long way for your customer experience. So, you know, even dumbing that down even like further, right? Like when you look at like a support ticket that comes, right? Like, yeah, maybe you're just like canceling an order or maybe you're making a modification to an order. But if you really humanize that experience and try to personalize it in every single one of your touch points that you have with that customer, it is going to go miles.
0: And if you can, do it with bots so that you don't have to hire 30 people in a way. Right. If you, if you like you had to with the amount of support tickets you guys are having, but it sounds like that's definitely the way to go going forward is to, is to just make, make your interactions as delightful as you can. Don't be afraid to inject personality into them and make, make them not just utilitarian. Right. Like make them a choose your own adventure.
1: Yeah. Choose your own adventure, but also we're always on the other end. Listen, we're always on the other end. Okay. Like, but I will say work-life balance for my team, okay? Like, we're not always on the end 24-7. We just can't be. We're slaying chocolate at the end of the day. Like, my team's got to sleep. But we're always on the end of that conversation. We're always, and so like, if you can't get your problem solved, we will still continuously be there for you. It's just, you know, try to solve the low-hanging fruit items. Like, little things. Like, even outside of engagement, right? If somebody is looking at like where's my order and your where's my order tickets are like through the roof, that's a problem that you could probably solve with some sort of automation. Whether that's through chatbot, whether that's utilizing wonderment. I I forgot about them in my CX but I utilize wonderment in like post-purchase journeys. But you know, that's my point is like, think about your customer experience as how can I get rid of the low hanging fruit for both the External customer and the internal customer. So when my customer actually has to get to me and has a problem that really needs a human touch, the agents have the ability to solve it as quickly as possible and not to be over inundated with like a ton of tickets that they can't they can't give some sort of personalized experience with.
0: You are what I like to call a CX leader. <laughs> and it's been awesome chatting with you. Um, before you have big activations coming down, you can't talk about them, I guess. But how do you top? Like, you guys gave away a chocolate factory. Did that actually happen?
1: Yeah, that happened in the beginning. That was um, one of... That was like our first like big activation that we did we did give away a chocolate factory and it was competing in a mr beast video for that that chocolate factory and how we did it was like we had stickers on the back of the bars and they had little codes and then you enter them into a game right and like there was like several other prizes that you could win but the grand prize was like being able to compete in this mr beast video for the chocolate factory um and But yeah, I mean, that, like, that's a, that is also a activation in conjunction with like Mr. Beast, you know?
0: Yes. A big one. Do they still live in the chocolate factory? Like, I'm just wondering about the legit, do they, do they run your chocolate factory? Like, how does it like that?
1: How does he work? Like Oompa
0: Loompas? What's going on here?
1: (laughs) No, they had a choice of like taking the chocolate factory or getting a payout. And to be honest with you, the person that won is actually one of my, one of my friends now because I spent two weeks with these people on the ground. Yeah. So, um. But yeah, and, and this is actually a really awesome story too. So you like um, choose a factory or you know, they they have the option to take the cash and like this is all in the video too. Um, but uh, the winner, Ended up taking half of those winnings and actually giving back. I forget exactly what, but he gave back to he gave back to like other organizations and like helped other families out with some of that money. He didn't even just keep it for himself. Like that's so awesome that it's like that that idea of Mr. Beast being you know um, a giver, right? And then to also. his audience being givers as well and like exemplifying that consistently. And like, that's like truly, you know, as we, again, as we go back to like customer experience and building community is like, that's like one of the biggest values for the people in our community that we want to, that we want them to exemplify, but also we want to teach the children of America
0: (laughs) to give. And Around Christmas, I get it, it. It probably opens up a whole bunch of sales angles around that gifting idea as well, right? When it's built into your brand like that.
1: Yeah. Um, during Christmas time, we um, had a bundle where it was a T-shirt for, um, and it was a T-shirt for Beast Philanthropy, and we gave some of those proceeds. So you purchase the bundle, and like obviously you get your chocolate, and you get this like um, T-shirt, but some of the proceeds from That bundle were given to Beast Philanthropy, which is another um, Beast brand um, nonprofit because it's not a company. (laughs) Um,
0: I love it. I just love the idea that what all these upstart companies and, and Feastables is one of the newest, biggest companies. I think we probably had it on in terms of how long you guys have actually been around. This idea of sort of quality capitalism in a way where you've got people operating from a slightly different place than maybe the robber barons of the 1900s, you know, and these huge megacorps that kind of like Nestle and, you know, these, these huge companies. I'm, I'm really interested in what happens when we get more and more of these young people thinking about business in a slightly different way. It's not like you don't want to win but I'm hoping that as these companies get into bigger scale, they do give back more or they provide more value than than a lot of these legacy companies might.
1: Yeah, and I don't think this is like, this is more of my like personal ethos and like personal opinion. I I think it's like really, we're seeing it so much more in like this Gen Z audience and and younger because it's like, you know, I'm not going to get into like the whole spiel of it all, right? But I mean, like think about like how much, you know, need there is in our society today like all over the world and like just in your own cities right and like and i think it's actually a really beautiful thing that like this generation that's coming up that's coming into the workforce but also just like you know coming up in like high school and like forming their own opinions are forming these really awesome opinions about like okay i i have enough like let me let me give back and share some of this. Right. And so I think it'll be a really interesting thing to your point. Like it's going to be a really interesting thing to watch as like, yes, Gen Z is entering the workforce, but more and more of that younger Gen Z comes into the world and like forms their opinions and like how we'll see the world change in the next like five to 10 years about those corporations, like giving back and like, and I also think that this generation too holds people accountable. Holds people like holds the Nestle's and holds like all these other big corporations accountable to you. Like where's your sustainability? What are you doing to give back? Like show me the proof like not just like, okay, cool. That's tight. I love that.
0: Yeah. No, 100%. Cool. Well, I look forward to keeping in touch with you as you stay on the vanguard of uh, CX here. What t- plug your podcast? I want I, what, to, what's your, because you were saying this year, you don't want to get on your get on your, your soapbox, but what are, what, okay, do, what is, is, is my, your podcast? And,
1: this is my soapbox. <laughs> um, so you can definitely find me on LinkedIn or just But additionally on the side, I also co-host a podcast called oopsie podcast. Um, and what my podcast is about is basically to sum it up live laugh and learn and we have guests on um, from all over the d2c space to share one of their biggest oopsies of their career and um, what they've what they've learned from it, how they're applying into their career. Um, and it's been really awesome. Like we've had some really awesome guests on there. I will tell you guys to listen to episode one because you uh, episode one of season one because you will hear my oopsie and it's an oopsie that I apply into my career as a people leader every single day now. <laughs> oh,
0: wow. Is it, does it take a long time? Could you give us the thumbnail right now? You uh, want to, you want, or you want to just- No, the traffic,
1: doggy. So oopsie podcast, you can find us on all of your podcasts Stations, um, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, like it, review it, listen to it.
0: I love it. There's a big thing here in Victoria called Fuck Up Nights. That that they're really well populated, and and yeah, I've all uh, if if you ever want me to come on and tell you about me, my fuck ups, yes. I'm, I'm happy to.
1: Dougie, um, trade for trade, my guy.
0: Trade for trade, uh, and I'm and I'm now offering full out like this is I'm not wearing any swag, but I will swag you out in D2C for some feastable swag if uh, if you're up for a trade.
1: Yeah, I'm down. I'll send you uh, some of these gummies I got behind me. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. Amazing. Nice. Well, super nice to connect. Uh, go to And everyone out there should be going to Feastables.com, checking out this bot, really getting a sense of uh, the delight, the surprise and delight you get with a Feastables experience and trying to think about ways you can apply that to your brand, even if you're not driving a billion monthly impressions. But uh, great to chat with you, Jess. It was a lot of fun.
1: Thanks, man. Thanks, audience. <laughs>
0: Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, you can do that right now at directtoconsumeralloneword.co. I'm Eric Dick, and this has been the D2C Podcast. We'll see you next time.